Hey, it's Bill Simmons. We're not just reacting to the NBA playoffs on my podcast. We're also doing it on the Ringer NBA show and the Mismatch podcast. They are coming after some of these NBA playoff games. Check it out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild, playoff players are lighting up the court, even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. It's a great fucking night in the NBA. That, that's, that, that's what's up. It's a great night in the NBA. You hear me? All right, I'm, I'm going to get to why it's a great night in the NBA. I think Tony already knows. Anybody who's ever followed any word that I have ever said about certain players in this league, it's a great fucking night to be an NBA fan. All right? And if you're not an NBA fan, that's fine. The, one of these segments ain't going to be for you. Don't worry. We'll sprinkle some baseball in here along the way. Uh, what episode is this? Episode 103? 103. All right. Episode 103 of the Full Go Podcast. We appreciate you guys jumping in with us. Of course, Tony Gill and Jesse Lopez always riding by my side. And of course, Steve Cerruti, the shadowy figure that is Steve Cerruti, is lurking somewhere in the shadows, like a shadowy figure should. We, we need uh, like a like a shadowy drop or something for for that, whenever we mention his name. Yeah, like, I a, mean, like, a, like a ghost like sound effect or something. I'm gonna look for yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, you know, Cerruti, Cerruti's um he's 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 my kind of dude. He could take a good ribbon, he could, you know, delegate responsibility. He, he's what middle management or management should be like, you know? So I don't know if I want to accentuate the fact that he's a shadowy figure too much more than the fact that I said the top and bottom you of the just show. Said it. You can take a ribbon, you'll be fine. Yeah, but you know, there's a fine line. There's a fine line. You know what I'm saying? You get too familiar with people that you kind of work with, right? Like me and Saruti have, have, have we met each other in person? No, nah, because he wasn't in LA for the Super Bowl. So no, we still haven't met each other in person. So, but yeah, Saruti's our guy, of course, Jesse Lopez and Tony Gill. All right. So I want to say this. Hot one. How was you guys' this weekend? Everybody good? Everybody, everybody feeling decent about life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So. I want to shout out one time to the people who uh, I, I don't mention enough. Uh, and, and this summer, you guys will be using quite often here in the city of Chicago. I want to shout out to the scammers. Shout out to the scammers. Shout out to the boosters. Uh, all the shoplifters out there. Um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of summer fashion I see trickling its way into the, the, the party scene that I know y'all ain't buying. So um, this was a this was an incredible weekend in the city of Chicago. It was damn near ninety five degrees three days in a row, uh, and and there there was a moment there where I tried to enjoy it, especially the beginning of the weekend. Um, like I mentioned before, my fiance Pia is out of town, so you know when the when when the uh, the warden is away, the the inmates will play. So 
I found myself going over to a society, a little local establishment here in the city of Chicago, owned by one Bobby Simmons, the Paul legend. You feel me? And uh, boy, was the West Side out and about. I can, you know, Jesse, you don't, you may not know this about the city of Chicago, but there there are two factions uh, in the city. Um, and we're not talking about the sh- Chicago that like people like to represent. You know, the 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 people who like to show you the bean and like you know Willis Tower or <laughs> Lakeshore Drive on a on a the, uh, the on, typical on some stuff B-roll. Chicago yeah. that you see or yeah. you think of right like yeah, the, tour- you know, the touristy stuff yeah exactly you know these people who go up to the John Hancock building with a deep dish pizza in their hand and say look at me I'm in Chicago right nah I'm talking about the crust of, of Chicago right and there's two factions when it comes to the crust of Chicago there's the West Side folks and the people who deal with West Side folks. And then there's the South Side folks and the people who deal with South Side folks. And I found myself born into like the de facto South Side of the situation because of my grandmother and all of my uncles and all my friends, uh, you know, all those all those weekends spend, spent on the South Side. And then as I grew older, I gained um, an affinity for the West Side nature and the West Side you know, feel of life. And boy, did I get reintroduced to that this weekend. As hot as it was outside, it was as if there was a big old West Side tube of toothpaste that somebody just, just stepped on and all of them was out at once, boy. And, and it was good to see y'all. It, you know, it was, it was good to see all of y'all. Um, you know, the people who shouldn't have been in the club, the people who should have been in the club, all the, all the aunties and grandmas who had a babysitter for that night, too. It was good to see y'all as well. I ended up drinking a bottle of Moet Rosé in a parking lot of a club with, with the, the, the bin, the tub of ice that they bring you. I, I looked at Bobby and I was like, hey, man, I don't know if that outside area is open, but it's hot as hell in this club. And then I go on to find out they just didn't want to put on the air conditioning in the club. So people are in this club sweating their asses off. There's NBA players walking in and out of this joint. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go outside in the parking lot with my bottle of, of, of you know, rosé, right? Because you're in a summer mood. You're feeling good about life. And man, I'd be damned if the party didn't come out there. So shout out to the West and South Sides of Chicago. Um, this weekend was full of uh, frivolity, um, some danger as well. We'll get into that as well. Uh, and this was a great weekend for me to get my car back from valet and all of a sudden my air condition not working. So, so I don't know how any of y'all feel out there, but riding around for a day, which is the only day I could do it, but riding around for a day with a five-year-old with no air conditioning, yeah. The, the Lord was was looking at me like, ah, you thought you was going to get this weekend off, didn't you? But get your ass back in that house and watch some sports where the air conditioning is working. So that's what I ended up doing. And I want to say this off top. Um, the Chicago Cubs did what they were supposed to do. This, this you know, last six games, these last, you know, this this West Coast road trip, San Diego and Arizona, they did what they were supposed to do going four and two after a, a, a dreadful homestand. Uh, and also, and, and it's not about the game, but it's more so about what we've experienced or witnessed in this city when it comes to Northside baseball and, and a certain aspect of it. Uh, Justin Steele, Justin Steele, 10 strikeout performance, the first 10 plus K performance by a drafted pitcher, a pitcher that the Cubs have developed and brought up through the minor leagues since Jeff Samarja. Now, for those of you listening, y'all know how long it's been since Jeff Samarja has actually pitched in Major League Baseball, never mind the fact that he pitched for the Cubs. He went on to pitch for the San Francisco Giants you know, right after the Cubs, I believe, and then I think he was a Philly for a little bit. But, yeah, man, it's been a while since Jeff Samarja has been pl- White Sox, yeah, the White Sox, great, Jeff Samarja, right? And, and it, it just it accentuated the point to be how horrible Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer have been at developing and drafting pitching uh, in this last six, seven-year run that we have all experienced here in this city, right? And I know this may not be the time to do it, you know, kick them while they're down kind of vibe, but man, they, that team and that organization stayed afloat for the most part on just acquisition of pitching. And starting pitching especially. So um, I guess it's an ode to Theo and Jed from back then and also a kick in the pants for them as well. But, yeah, I, I read that and I saw that and I was watching that game. By the way, the Diamondbacks is super, super young and super talented. And, of course, Nico Horner going on a 10-day IL. That's a, 
you know, that's nothing that you want to see, especially with a team that's trying to figure out who and what they are. Wilson Contreras is swinging a hot bat uh, and and being more selective than I can remember Wilson Contreras ever being. I, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just watching this last week or so and understanding that his strikeout percentage has to be as low as it's been since he's been in a Cub uniform, it's good to see certain things in a team that's trying to uh, rebuild. And Justin Steele seems like a, a fine piece, but that shit blew me away when I saw that he was the first one since Jeff Smarja complete that feat. And then you look at the south side of things. <sighs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's not supposed to feel like this. It's not supposed to be like this. It's never clear sailing. It never seems like it's clear sailing whether you're a White Sox fan. And if it ain't for Lou Bob and Tim Anderson, this offense, it, it they put some runs together in the Yankee series. But these last couple of games, I mean, Michael Kopech, the walks did him in in the second inning against the Yankees. Um, after that, he retired 13, 14 batters in a row. The pitching was phenomenal after Michael Kopech uh, found his release point, whatever the case may be. The thing that I was worried the most about is that a guy who's sitting at 95, 96 normally and get it up to 97, 98, he was around 91, 92 all game long. Now, if we're talking dead arm period, cool. I got no problem with that. But especially with the truncated spring training and Michael Kopech's injury history, I, I'm trepidatious. As, I, I have trepidation as, as a White Sox fan because I've seen this before and I feel like lightning strikes uh, more than twice <laughs> when it comes to the White Sox and pitching. Um, you know, Lance Lynn now, these decisions, like I'm watching the entire landscape of a White Sox starting staff and wondering the 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 elevation or the escalation in the timetable in, in Lance Lynn. Now we're hearing maybe late May, early June as a return time. And I'm wondering, if, is this because uh, Dallas Keiko isn't as trustworthy as you may have hoped he would have been coming into this season. Is this because Michael Kopech's uh, arm may be um, a little dead or you know, there may be some issues? Because this is now, you know, this is pitch count area with Michael Kopech as you're trying to lengthen him out to become a starter. And he had a 43-pitch inning in the second inning. And this has happened a couple of times now where it seems like Michael Kopech, his, his stuff is dazzling enough, but it's like, hey, man, throw a ground ball and get your ass out the inning, bro. Like, it, it's Ethan Katz goes out there, settles him down. He, he walks another two after that. Um, it, you're not going to beat the Yankees scoring one run, no doubt about it. And Nestor, this dude, it, they threw this dude out here. And he is sitting at 90, 91, got a cutter, got a four-seam fastball, got a slider that he throws every once in a while. But he was, his cutter fastball, uh, you know, the, the delivery and how the, the White Sox hitters weren't seeing it. They were swinging over the top of the cutter. Uh, he was placing the fastball anywhere that he needed to. And he didn't have to really use the slider much. I mean, you go out there, you allow one run on three hits. You know, it's the reason why he's one of the best pitchers uh, in the American League in the early part of this season. That Yankees lineup is absolutely dominant, right? Anytime you can throw Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge in the first inning at you, you know you're going to be dealing with something. And, and the bottom of the lineup ain't bad either. So the, the, the Yankees win throughout a four against this White Sox squad, and, and people may call it a measuring stick uh, series. I know it's very early in the season, but, yeah, that's what it's going to look like. If you're in the ALCS, if you're in the ALDS, hopefully – you're going to see a team like the Yankees. And right now, they're playing as, as good as anybody in the American League. And they're dominating the American League Central. I believe they're 11-3 and three in this early going against the AL Central. So uh, good, to, good to not see the Yankees at home. But guess what? Now you go on the road for eight games and you got the Kansas City Royals and you also have the Yankees after that. Now trying to figure out who will be starting because, like I said, all the moves that have to be made, not to mention the, the, the COVID protocols that Lucas Giolito is under where he, have to get, he has to have, what, two negative tests before he can get back in there. Johnny Cueto, the mystery man that is known as Johnny Cueto, when is he going to come up from Charlotte? Uh, Dylan Cease is slated to, to pitch on Tuesday. So, you know, White Sox fans, after the Boston series, after the Anaheim series, after the Cubs series, like, all right, they're, they're figuring things out. But this is what they did last year. They, they beat up on teams they were supposed to beat up on. And then you go up against teams that you're supposed to be in the same realm as and you, you, you find out where you're at. And in this series, we found out that the White Sox starting staff could only do so much. Their bullpen was shaky. 
And also the offense didn't play well. I, the, the questions that I have about this White Sox team, you know, it's not the physical talent at all. I think when healthy, this is one of the two or three best teams in the American League. You see Lou Bob out there um, extending his history 13 games, right? And, and, and maybe Reese McGuire shouldn't be catching every one of Michael Kopech's games. Like, these are the things that we're going to, you know, um, we're going to decipher and, and try to rake over the coals and figure out what's wrong with the White Sox. Also, also something to keep an eye on is, is more than being keeping an eye on. I don't think there's a pitcher who hasn't had a problem being taken out of a game by Tony La Russa so far in the early going of the season. Now, I don't know if that means that you don't trust him or you don't respect him, but there's an issue there somewhere. I mean, Dallas Keuchel, you know, he, he gets taken out of the game before the sixth inning. Tony La Russa talks about him not being a good player and understanding when people wanted to sub him out. And I'm like, holy shit, like, you got to count on this dude. And these guys hear and read everything you say. So we've seen now Lucas G. Lito have an issue with being taken out. We've seen Michael Kopech have an issue with being taken out. And then Dallas Keiko comes out before the sixth inning. And instead of saying, yeah, man, the OPS numbers, they don't look as good that third time through the order or pitch 70 through 95. Nah, it was straight up and down. By the way, I, I was a bad player once and my ass got subbed out and I didn't, I didn't gripe about it. So get your ass back in the clubhouse and enjoy the rest of the game. Have a chicken wing and shut the fuck up. Like, that's pretty much what I read into it. And I know I could be doing too much because it's Sunday. And, you know, I do too much usually on Sundays. But, yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on. Just a little thing to keep an eye on that one out of every three or four times that Tony Russo goes out to that mound to get that ball is somebody MFing him in his head on the way out there. So, yeah, you know, hopefully Luis Robert keeps hitting Hopefully, Tim Anderson keeps hitting. Hopefully, Jose Abreu snaps out of his little slump here. Um, Gavin Sheets needs to get more at-bats. I'm not mad uh, at, 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 you know, uh, Andrew Vaughn being in that two-hole, even though he went 0-4 against the Yankees uh, in the the series finale. Um, Yeah, you you move on and you get ready to beat up on the Kansas City Royals, hopefully, and then get another shot at the Bronx Bombers in uh, New York. But just the... uh, just the, the the pageantry of the Yankee thing is still, like, when I was a kid, it was a thing. And now that I'm older, it's still a thing. And I heard Darren Jackson uh, and, and Connor McKnight talking about it on the broadcast, on the radio side of things. And I caught a lot of that game today on the radio. There was a question about the mystique of the New York Yankees and is that intimidating? And Darren Jackson answered it straight up like, no, nah, it ain't the mystique of the Yankees. It's the motherfucking players they got. It's the dudes who they can afford. Yeah, yo, oh, yeah, by the way, we had a, a, a below-average season. Let's go get Car- Garrett Cole. You know what I mean? Like, hey, by the way, Aaron Judge is going to have to get a half a billion dollars. It's cool. We're going to be a Yankee still. Like, it, it, it's there's an understanding there where it's like, oh, man, look at It's the pinstripes. It's the it's the interlocked NY on the navy blue. Ca- no, it ain't none of that. Yeah, it, it's it's, it's maybe 5 10% of that. But if you roll bums out in those uniforms, you're going to get your ass kicked. They can afford, and and there is a um, there's an industry standard when it comes to the New York Yankees. And just watching teams like that come to your town and knowing that you're going to have to deal with the stars of stars, uh, it, it kind of puts things in perspective for you while you're trying to figure out if Johnny Cueto is going to get you a start on Monday. You know, like, these are these are the things that Sox fans have to battle with. You went into that series, uh, a game uh, above 500, feeling decent about yourself, you know, shutting down Shohei Otani and the boys, and then you run up against Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, and all they can do is hit the ball out of your ballpark, drink your beer, hang out with your girls for four days. Like, that's, that's pretty much what happened. And I'm not lying on any of those things because I saw all of it occur this weekend on, on multiple levels. So... Sox fans, you, you lick your wounds, you take it back to the lab, you, you, you send all of your mean tweets to, <laughs> to White Sox Twitter and, and curse Rick Hans, you know, all, you know, being and Kenny Williams. And then you feel better about yourselves after you steamroll the Royals, because that's what I expect to happen here. Looking forward to the Johnny Cueto start. Looking forward to seeing Dylan Cease after his weird-ass outing where he got, like, he got touched up, but every time he got somebody out, it was a strikeout. Like, I'm looking for this thing to stabilize for Sox fans out there. And for Cubs fans, hey, you got Justin Steele. Time for some commercials. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. 
Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. So we got ourselves a pair of Game 7s, and I was looking forward to them. I think everybody who's an NBA fan or a fan of sports, period, was looking forward to it. You know, they say the best two words in all of sports is Game 7. And I'm like, eh, I, I guess. You know, like Sometimes they don't live up to it, and boy, was that the case on Sunday. Um, and no, I'm not talking about the Calgary Flames versus the Dallas Stars. I'm talking about the Bucks and Celtics and also the Suns and the Mavericks. Now, you know, Bulls fans, Bulls fans, listen to me and listen to me good. You know how you feel as a Bears fan when you're watching like Sunday night football or Monday night football and you know, two showcase teams are out there just duking it out. And you're like, man. It sure does feel different than the shit I'm forced to watch. I don't know what more proof you need than watching these playoffs to understand, you know, the 82-game ride that the Chicago Bulls season was this year was an intriguing one. It was a fascinating one, top to bottom. Uh, but there was a certain, there was a line of demarcation for me when this team defensively slipped, fell, and couldn't recover. And that's when I started to get off the, okay, this, this is kind of settling into what people thought it might be, somewhere between four and six. And you watch the Milwaukee Bucks series against the Bulls, and you thought, okay, you got a chance. No Chris Middleton. Time to take advantage. And what happened? The Milwaukee Bucks defense suffocated the Bulls time and time again, and the Bulls defensively couldn't stop what is, in my opinion, and I hope everybody else's, uh, the best player in the NBA. And it's so crazy because walk with me here. Giannis Antetokounmpo is more like Shaq and LeBron than I think we give him credit for. The Shaq part, obviously, the physical dominance, um, what he could do in the lane. Uh, and the LeBron part, you know, LeBron James has always needed um, and I hate doing this because I'm not even this guy and I don't want it to come off like I'm being this guy because people who know me and know my track record know how I feel about LeBron, but he's needed a closer with him. And I've always argued, you know, making the right pass is closing out a game. Defending Derrick Rose for three straight fourth quarters in 2011, that's how you close a game as well. But in this artificial, you know, um, nasty, zero-sum world that we live in, you only close games out by hitting the last shot. So what I mean by this is Chris Middleton and the worth of Chris Middleton was seen last year in the playoffs where Chris Middleton would have four points going into the third quarter and have a 16-point third quarter. And you'd be like, that's what they needed. That's all they needed. They needed somebody to alleviate some of the pressure. They needed a shot maker. And I think you saw that with this Celtics-Bucks series. They didn't have enough shot makers. And you, you can have Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen all you want. Drew Holiday is an outstanding player. By the way, it, it was three years ago there was time for us to stop saying that Drew Holiday is underrated. Drew Holiday is probably rated as a terrific player. Like, let's cut the shit. Like, this ain't Mike Conley out here where it's like, hey, look, there's the guy that got the max that year. Like, he was famous for that for a long time. Like, look, you know, one guy got the max. It was like when Joe Johnson got it, you know, that one year and everybody else had to, you know, settle for less and go win championships with each other. And then <laughs> Joe Johnson's like, nope, give me that extra $21 million and give me that 153 off top because I want to be the highest paid player in the NBA because I'm in Atlanta and I'm kicking it. Oh, now I'm in Brooklyn and I'm kicking it. So, yeah, yeah. Drew Holiday's been that dude, but you need Chris Middleton. You need a six seven six eight wing score. And the reason I, I compare it to LeBron because LeBron Kyrie was a closer at the end. You know he had he was he had a guy who and Kyrie hit arguably the biggest shot in Cleveland Cavaliers history. Uh, Dwayne Wade, of course. You know Chris Bosh, of course. But you also need and in this ever evolving NBA world, if you haven't noticed, we're done with big threes. Like, the big three thing is finito. 
If you're truly looking at these teams that are putting together three guys and saying, all right, we'll beat you with this. Nah, player, you can't start Joel Anthony at center anymore and get away with it. Right? Like, you can't have a bunch of vet minimum dudes running around. Right? And, and, and as I say that, I'm going to mention a couple, uh, when we get to the, uh, the, the, the Suns Mavs discussion, but Bulls fans, you have to, you have to have a better four through nine than the team you are facing. It is as simple as that. And especially if your quote-unquote big three is full of one-way players, you have to. You know, the Patrick Williams thing is more striking and more startling, to be honest with you, than it's ever been. Like, you could take me back to the last night of the NBA season for the Chicago Bulls, game five against the Milwaukee Bucks. And tonight, as we are recording this on May 15th. You'll probably be listening to it on May 16th. Shout out to y'all for getting up early and listening to it or whatever you do, however you listen to it. We appreciate you. But when you're listening to this thing, I am as um, not startled, but my it has my attention what Patrick Williams has to be in the course of five months here. Because take a look at what happened to the Milwaukee Bucks in a game seven. A game seven Mind you that Stan Van Gundy has pointed out, Ernie Johnson has pointed out, every talking head has pointed out. They chose not to play the last game of the season the Boston Celtics did. They ended up with home court advantage. And guess what happened? The four through nines whooped their ass. You know, Grant Williams, we've seen this before, y'all. We've seen Shane Battier hit seven threes. We've seen Mike Miller hit six, seven threes. We've seen a guy go crazy. We've seen the, the, the go stupid Eddie House games, right? So when those games happen, you have to counterbalance that with your four through nine. And guess who didn't play well? Giannis Antetokounmpo became the first player in NBA history to have 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a, in a series. It's kind of like when LeBron did everything, everything in that Golden State Warriors uh, championship run right before they went and got KD because they got scared because they got beat, you know, after having a 3-1 lead. Y'all remember that, right? Remember when LeBron led the entire series in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals? Remember that? And and Andre Iguodala got the MVP because he slowed LeBron down. <laughs> Y'all remember when that happened? Yeah, that was bullshit to me then, too. I feel you. You can laugh in the car. You should be laughing in the car. It was bullshit then. It's bullshit now. This man averaged like 37, 9, and 8. And Andre Iguodala got, hey, man, great going on slowing LeBron down. <laughs> man was out there. He was out there being small forward Wilt Chamberlain. And, we, and, hey, his team didn't win, so he can't be the MVP. I digress. I digress. Jason Tatum, the arrival is complete. It's complete. We want to, you know, I'm tired of throwing around fake flowers for for players who don't deserve them. And I'm not going to do it for anybody in this city either. Like, you want to talk to me about two-way stars? You want to talk to me about great players? You want to talk to me about max money dudes? Yeah. And, And before I go any further, this is a PSA. Y'all gonna make me stop going outside. Uh, 3.30 this morning, as I am trying to leave an establishment, a young man wants to talk to me about why Zach Levine doesn't deserve the max contract. <laughs> and if I had white buddies, it'd be different. <laughs> but since since my friends <laughs> are of a different persuasion, at least the ones that I was hanging with, you know, it'd be cool. Like, it's always cool to my, my white homies. Like, man, that's pretty dope. People just come up to you and want to talk sports all the time. Nope. That wasn't the case this morning. And my homeboy was like, man, these motherfuckers want to debate all the time? Man, your job suck. I'm like, yeah, yep, there it is. <laughs> yep, my job does suck. <laughs> I get to get into random max contract developments as I'm closing out a bar tab with a dude who's clearly not in his right mind, getting far too close to me. And then when I turn around, you know, you know, play, give him my back and then explain to the bartender, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, don't be sorry. This is why my ass stays in the house and plays Call of Duty all damn day long. But yeah. My man knew, my man knew who you was drunk. 
Oh, listen. And then I come out of that spot, Tony. I come out of that spot only to be met by a brother in, in um, kente cloth uh, screaming very loudly about, holy shit. And I'm sitting there like, oh, don't do this. It, it was like a real Prince Akeem moment where nobody knows why you're screaming at me, you know, but you, you know what I'm saying? You and my friends who are not going to use this as fucking ammo as soon as we get in the car, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, it's just a gentleman that I met in the bathroom, you know what I mean? Like, hey, man, keep your voice down, bro. No one understands why you're as excited as you are right now. Like, you're making this look bad, right? Because if I am somebody important or, or, or special or famous whatever the case may be i probably shouldn't be here right now with you you know what i'm saying so like let's keep it down but yeah no more excuses will be made for what a max player is supposed to look like how a two-way player is supposed to be revered and respected or you know playing through injury like all those things are part of the game they all get rolled up in there and to me the arrival was complete for jason tatum not after he goes crazy and goes shot for shot in game six with Giannis Antetokounmpo on his home floor. But in game seven, when he sees a kid out of the University of Tennessee who is an undersized power forward, was an undersized power forward at Tennessee, is going to be an undersized power forward in the league, and all he did this offseason was work on his three, and Jason Tatum, in a game seven, at the crib, trusted him enough to shoot those shots trusted Peyton Pritchard enough to shoot those shots. And this is what happens. You get home court advantage, and the four through nines get energized when you're playing well. Grant Williams doesn't do that on the road. I bet you I bet you a hundred bucks of hard-earned money that Grant Williams doesn't go. What, 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 how many did he hit tonight? Where did he go? Was it like eight for 17 or nine for 19 or something like that? That man took every three-pointer that was, and you know what? They were all good shots. There was no heat checks involved. So when we're talking about roster construction and what your best players are doing and what they aren't doing, I saw a lot of Bulls players this year in very key moments. And it's to no fault of their own. It's just how it played out through very key moments. Think that the best thing to do was shoot the ball themselves and not move it or trust that you can move it. Or trust that that person was going to hit a shot. Like, we need to stop playing around. The expectations have changed. They have raised the level now. No longer is this the cute bulls thing. You see. You see what's happening out here. Because you'll fuck around and get lapped by some of these young teams, too. Let's not, let's not treat Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like they're 29, 30 years old. These dudes are 24. So you have to deal with them. You're going to have to deal with Charlotte. You're going to have to deal with the Orlandos of the world. You're going to have to deal with Indiana once they get their shit together. Like, and, of course, Joel Embiid and Giannis ain't going anywhere. So, yeah, this, if, if, if you like NBA basketball and you're a huge Bulls fan, which a lot of people who listen to this pod and a lot of people that I get a chance to talk to and, you know, the numbers bear that out over the last couple of years and how much people are actually, like, gravitating towards this team, yeah, get in tune. Get in tune. Your lens should be changing. Because that's what it looks like. That's what next looks like. Grant Williams was 7 for 18 from the three-point line. <laughs> this league is fucking ridiculous, man. <laughs> Game 7. Hall of Famer versus Hall of Famer. Huh? Drew Holiday versus Jalen Brown. Which Robin is going to be better? You know what I mean? Oh, which, it was Alfred who stepped up. Yeah. <laughs> Alfred? <laughs> what? Too much credit there? Keep going. To, yeah, keep going, fam. <laughs> you kidding Little me? Timmy on the corner. <laughs> hey, right, right, right. What was the Dark Knight Rises? The orphanage they went to and talked to my man about his kidnapped brother. That's who hit all the threes. That's 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 Alfred. <laughs> what? Marcus Smart is Alfred. <laughs> well, Alfred, Alfred take better care of his skin, though. So I'd have to put Marcus Smart on somebody else. But man, that man shot 22 shots in an elimination game. And you know who's to blame? A guy that I had the, uh, the opportunity to do a weekly coaches show with. Yeah, my man, Mike Budenholzer. Fam, hey, listen. When after the fifth three, <laughs> maybe, maybe you, 
you deny? <laughs> Maybe you tell people to stop leaving the hot. Like, these are NBA players. These are NBA players. These are dudes who make shots for a living. You think Grant Williams came to this game like, I have not shot threes all year long, but I'm going to let it fly tonight. No, he caught his moment. He caught his moment. And Mike Budenholzer could do nothing but like, man, this is this is crazy. How I mean, he, he's, he got what? Oh, he's, got, he's four for six now? All right, he'll cool off. Hey, he's five for seven? No, oh, all right, well, the cool off is coming. By the time the cool off came, they were down 20. And Milwaukee, this is the other thing, too. Boy, oh, boy, when they are not running, whew, they have some issues. Like Giannis is everything. The playmaker, the rebounder, the defender, the scorer, uh, the, the leader. At the end of that game, he was gassed. He was straight gassed. That man missed two or three point-blank layups. And I'm a huge Giannis fan. And there's a way to stop him. And that is, apparently, uh, let him go crazy for six games. And in the seventh game, when he's got no legs, just say, hey, we ain't going to let anybody else beat us. So, Bulls fans, I know you think you're close. And you might be. But close to what? Because Miami, Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, that's special cloth. And the Bulls are in the second tier right now. I will be very, very interested to see what this offseason looks like. And speaking of the offseason, we got a voicemail concerning one Zach Levine. Let's go ahead and run that. Jason, Q on the north side. I see the stupid trade Zach people have showed up again. It's right about time for them to start squawking. How do you not offer him the max? There's no way as an organization that you can let him walk after all the moves you've done. The only way you move him is if Zach says, I want to go sign and trade, or some other team, now that he's with Clutch, wants to organize something crazy, like if the Lakers want to go stupid and they want to sign and trade away Anthony Davis or somebody else. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy permutations. We all know that fans, especially fans like me, we are really bad at manufacturing trades, right? But you cannot let Zach go. The whole purpose of building around him, you get a DeMar, you get a Vucevic, you've drafted well, is to build around him. They made it known. Trust me, I've watched a lot of bad Bulls basketball, okay? And if Zach, he's an efficient scorer. And even though he's got some bad legs, he's super athletic. Dudes that are super athletic, even when they get bad wheels, guess what? They're still going to be better than the dudes that aren't athletic. All right? Stevens Carter. Now, maybe you don't want to pay a Supermax for a guy that's going to become a three-point shooter and wants to stop leaping all the time. I get that, too. But guess what? you got no other choice. You've got DeMar. He's got maybe a year or two. He's kind of on the decline a little bit. Vucevic is in a contract year. You've given Zach the max. Stop it. Love your suit. Q from the north side always bringing it. Make sure you keep that voicemail number in your pocket as well, 773-359-3103. The full go voicemail is always open for you at any time. Anything that's on your bird, you could drop it on us. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, top 30 players. They get the max, whether they get it from that team or they get it from somebody else. They get the max. Zach Levine is going to be a max contract guy. This is what he has been playing for and towards. Um, now, does Zach want to be here? We'll find out. But it ain't like he... Not, Zach's going to take the money from the Bulls no matter what. And then if a trade needs to be facilitated, we'll see. Um, like, like you just said, I, I agree with most of the points that you just made. Uh, I think the Vooch trade was made to make sure that Zach understood that the Bulls were for real and that front office was for real. And then the offseason happened where you get DeMar and Lonzo Ball. Now, it's a risky proposition for any NBA team to have, you know, a quarter billion dollars worth of um, uh, conflicted knees in the backcourt, right? I mean, you got Lonzo and you got Zach. And you got Alex Caruso and you got Io DeSumo. So you're going to have guys who will be able to hold you down for a game or two, maybe a week or two if guys need some some maintenance or, God forbid, guys go down with another injury. But looking at the long term, you're always paying for what dudes will do, not what, for what they've done. And I think what Zach will do, hopefully, is refine not only his offensive game even more because now, you know, 
I said it a couple of years ago when I first jumped on to the NBC Sports Chicago team. That first year to me was about seeing if Zach Levine and Larry Marketing could play together in any kind of two-man situation. And looking at it since then, you know, Zach Levine, the playmaker, hasn't grown the way that I would like. And then at the end of the season, when the knee was bothering him, when the back was bothering him, when the thumb was bothering him, all those things, he became a playmaker. Like he, he his game had to morph into finding people because he couldn't push off on that left knee. And, you know, Kendall and I had conversations with Zach. I mean, Kendall obviously more so than I, but, you know, we, we talked to him. And his he was he was not feeling well, right? It wasn't like Zach was out there jaking him. Like, anytime Zach went out there, he was hurt. Uh, and I think that was part of the understanding as well. You know, you go out there and, and show this city and show this organization what you're made of, you're going to get this money from us. Now, you zoom out and you look at the NBA landscape, you know, this Portland talk, San Antonio talk, like there's a lot of guys who want to play with Zach Levine. And if Zach Levine is your third option, then you're out here, you're out here doing something. It's up to Zach, though. <laughs> it's up to Zach. The, the Chicago life, the Chicago Bulls organization, some of the things that he's seen, some of the things he's been through, uh, his interaction with this regime, this front office, uh, his thoughts on Billy Donovan. All those things are going to come into play. And I don't I don't think Zach is as easy a read as everybody else does. I, I, th- I think Zach Levine uh, is as confident as they come. And when you run into a guy as confident as Zach Levine is, you can't pin him down for anything. You can't, you can't say, okay, this is what it's going to be. Now, I think it's about a 75% chance that Zach Levine is a Chicago Bull going into next year. Um, and the only reason I put it at 75 and not lower than that, too, is because of him playing as injured as he was down the stretch last year. Um, but, yeah, I don't think this thing is a fait accompli. And I I wouldn't think that any Bulls fan should either. Um, this is... Yeah, this is get money time, but this is also like what what the rest of your prime years look like too. Like where are you going to spend them? Who do you trust to build around you? Who are you playing with now? And are those guys going to be replaced by even better players? And that jury's still out. And it's business on top of all that. It's business, right? Like this is a man who's played under Jim Boylan. <laughs> this is a man who's seen some things. <laughs> so yeah. It's young Zach, you're not talking to him anymore. Now you're talking to married man, getting ready to start a family, getting ready to get the most money he's ever seen in his life, generational changing money, right? All those things are going to be guaranteed. What's not guaranteed is who you're playing with, city you're playing in, you know. I mean, I think there are a lot of things on the table. Let's just put it like that. So as we go forward in this thing, yes, I do believe Zach Levine will be a max contract player. Yes, I do believe the Bulls will offer him that max contract. But am I sitting here thinking that Zach Levine is 100% lock, stock, and barrel going to be a Chicago Bull next year? I'd like to tell you, yeah. But I'm not, no. If you were to ask me right now, put everything you got on Zach Levine being a Bull next year. Hell no. One, that'd be dumb for me to do. Two, I ain't got that much. And three, it's the NBDMA. Come on, man. Like, we've seen crazier shit happen. We've seen guys who, oh, this guy will never leave. This guy's always going to be there. You know, uh, Kyrie told Boston that (laughs) with a microphone in his hand at center court. Now, of course, I'm not comparing Zach to Kyrie. I don't want y'all going crazy on me out here. But no, I I think Zach's going to do his due diligence. I think Rich Paul is definitely going to do his due diligence because if you don't, if you haven't noticed, uh, Rich Paul's got some high-profile clients who are looking real bad out here in these NBA streets. So weird things have happened, uh, but I would say this, weirder things have happened. So the Zach Levine saga, the, the whatever you want, the drama, it, it, will, it will ride into this summer. I hope he's a Chicago Bull. I think he will be a Chicago Bull, but hey, man, anything goes. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. 
Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So in my weekend travels where, you know, I got a... You know, got a little bit of a hall pass this weekend, but I also had my little guy with me. So me and my guy hung out, you know, did the, 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 the daddy son thing where we try to figure out how much shit we can get into on a daily basis without, you know, anybody losing an eye. Uh, got a chance to have him go over my, my mom's house, which is always, always cool for me to see him hang out with granny. I was away from my phone for the majority of this weekend. And it felt freeing. It it felt like it was necessary. Um, I was away from Twitter. I was away from news. I was away from a lot of things. And when I returned to my phone late, late, late night uh, yesterday, uh, so Saturday, if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, I saw the news about the mass shooting that took place in Buffalo, New York. And... For a moment, I felt guilty. And actually, I still do feel guilty because I consider myself a person who tries to stay up with current events and the news as much as possible. Um, it's kind of how I was raised, kind of how I gravitated toward talk radio, to be honest with you, because of my mom and how much of a, you know, a news junkie she is and has always been and kind of, you know, transferred that to me. And I felt guilty because one, when something like that and that amount of pain is happening in the world, you feel like, man, you know, am I as appreciative as I should be about the things and the blessings that I have? Um, and then when you find out the nature of the crime, uh, it, it, it broke my heart all over again. And, you know, a lot of people like to cop out and say, well, I don't want to get political on you and all this other shit. Um, This has nothing to do with politics at this point. Um, When black people, and I'm not going to middle it, you know, I'm going to do the whole people of color or minorities, when black people can't go to a supermarket without fear of losing their life because of the color of their skin, um, if that's not going to sound all the alarm bells, then it won't. It won't. Then I don't know what will. Um, And you might say, Jace, how does this, what does that have to do with sports? I want to commend Marcus Stroman uh, for his tweet uh, that came out, was it early Sunday morning? Uh, He said, quote, crazy how more people are outraged when their favorite team loses rather than when a white supremacist targets and murders individuals from the black community. I see you, society trending in the wrong direction, praying for the black community and the families involved. Um, Marcus Stroman hasn't been here very long. And these are questions, you know, these are questions that we continually ask uh, when it comes to these mass shootings and especially when it comes to these targeted mass shootings that are hate crimes and the product of white supremacy, right? I don't want to hear any think pieces or read any think pieces about what was going on or who didn't want to date him or um, how easy it is to get a gun. We've, we've read all these and heard all these before, right? So where do we go now? Where do we go from here? Uh, I want to commend Marcus Stroman because um, you haven't had voices like this on the Cubs and Sox in I don't know how long. I remember when I was doing the luncheon series with Joe Madden back in the day. Uh, and all the public police shootings of black men were happening. 
And Joe had a couple of black men in his locker room, in his clubhouse. And uh, I think the day after one of the, and it's so fucked up because I can't remember which one. And I feel, I feel like an asshole right now, not remembering somebody's life being taken. So I apologize. But the day after one of the more notable ones, and that sounds crazy as hell too. But the day after one of the more notable ones, I asked Joe Madden if he had talked to any of the black players in his clubhouse about what had happened. And he got kind of terse with me. And he said, why would, you know, why would I do that? We just keep, we stick to baseball. And that was the, and this is from the same man who was helping the Latino community who had uh, migrated to his hometown in Pennsylvania and I had just seen the real sports, but with Brian Gumbel piece on it, right? So this is a man who has extended the olive branch to communities that um, don't share a similar background to him. So that's why I asked the question. And at that time, it was Dexter Fowler and Jason Hayward who were in his clubhouse. And after I got the reaction that I got from him, it kind of, you know, when you get that kind of reaction, you say to yourself, okay, is that a top-down reaction? Is that a individual reaction? And Marcus Stroman's thoughts and comments on Twitter made me think about that again. Listen, the whole stick to sports crowd, we already know what they're on. And you can already guess the replies that Marcus Stroman got to that tweet. Uh, a whole bunch of, you're making this amount of money, boo-hoo to you. Um, there were, there were tweets that were replying, you know, if you were having a better season and doing your job, I'd listen more. Um, at this point, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I don't have these conversations on Twitter anymore because it's not the place to have them for me. The the discourse isn't what I think it should be. And in the end, I end up getting riled up about a situation that I, I truly care about. Um, the black community has been under siege when it comes to gun violence uh, from uh, outsiders, from insiders, violence, period. Um, you know, you, you really, really, really got to take a, a long, hard look at the psyche of the entire community. And, you know, you wonder why people are on edge. You wonder why people um, move with a certain... Um, lack of security. And then you, you look at downtown Chicago this weekend, a 16-year-old gets shot fatally by the bean uh, because for whatever reason these days, you know, when I was a kid, we used to try to go downtown and holler at the girls, you know, try to save up some money and get yourself some Gucci frames or something like that, right? You know, you you wanted to be fly. Like you wanted to, you wanted to pretend like you were a grown-up but you made sure you got your ass on that train to get back home before nightfall, you know, that kind of vibe. Now you got a bunch of kids running around with not a lot of resources, not a lot of things to do. Um, and frankly, uh, little to no guidance seemingly. And a 16 year old ends up getting murdered. Um, and it's just par for the course. And that's the problem that I have is that, you know, God bless Marcus Stroman for speaking out and saying what he had to say. But it'll fall on deaf ears because ain't shit going to change until white people want it to change. It's as simple as that. There's, there's nothing that changes in this country, and especially white men. Until white men want this to change, it will not change. And I, I've never been more realer than that. And I, can, and I will stand on those words. These mass shootings... um. The targeting of African Americans when it comes to hate crimes is a real simple change, but that change seemingly isn't in order, nor will it be for the foreseeable future. So what we have to continue to do as a community is, one, be aware, uh, two, protect yourself, learn how to protect yourself, and three, hope for the best. Because that's all we got. I go grocery shopping with my son quite often. Um, my, shit, everybody goes grocery shopping. My mom goes grocery shopping. My sister does. Tony Gill does. I can't imagine 
going to a grocery store, trying to fill the basic need of sustenance for the rest of your week, rest of your night, whatever the case may be, if you're shopping every other day because you want it fresh, whatever the case may be. I can't imagine being in an area where I'm supposed to be safe because it is an all-Black community or a mostly Black community and seeing a gunman walk into that store with uh, the word nigger um, stenciled on the end of his assault rifle going over and past white patrons in that store and shooting Black people and going especially to that neighborhood because Black people are there to kill Black people. So you can have all the thoughts and prayers you want. They're cool. They might make you feel better. Um, I'm not knocking anybody's religion. But at this point, uh, we know what and who can change this. And if it doesn't, and if it won't, we know why. Tired of playing with this shit like it's something else. Tired of middling it. Hell, Tony knows my career. People who've listened to me, I've not middled it. That's why I've gotten in trouble before. And I will continue to say these things. Um, so to my white brethren out there, you know, we, we rock with a lot of really, really good white folks. But man, <laughs> none of this shit's going to change. None of it's going to change. You know, you know how you, you look at somebody and say, it's all on you. Yeah, bring it all home. Well, again, another situation where if we can watch babies be shot in, 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 in Newton, if we can, if we can watch politicians be shot, if we can watch school teachers and school staff have to instruct babies on how to get out of places that are being shot up, then all we're saying to each other is you're just going to have to deal with the disease. That's all. In a, in a land and time where all we're talking about is vaccines and getting shots and protecting each other and this, that, and the other, the biggest lack of protection seemingly happens twice a month. And now we've got another black group targeted, whether it be Dylan Roof or this young man or, God forbid, the next person that tries to pull this off. I want to commend Marcus Stroman for having the balls to tweet out what he did because it ain't easy. It ain't easy saying things that you know that maybe, just maybe, people in your organization, hell, people in your clubhouse don't agree with. It's not easy, especially if you're not playing up to par. Because Lord knows, if you're, if you're out there being a Cy Young candidate, then you know people are going to start to uh, protect black lives and, and appreciate them more. So, because we, we all know that happens, right? But shout out to Marcus Stroman for speaking his mind, saying his piece, and living with it. And, um, you know, I like to tell everybody to take care of each other and, and be safe, but doesn't feel apropos in this moment because all we're doing is watching people not take care of each other, whether it be because of this vaccine situation, whether it be because of uh, how people f fail to acknowledge that gun laws in this country are kind of wild. I mean, I'm driving around yesterday and on a sports radio station, I'm hearing about uh, gun buyback programs. And also at the end, the tagline is you can't buy for the other guy. They know what they're saying. They know that's exactly how guns get into cities who have, you know, um, stringent gun laws like New York, like Chicago, like some of the other urban uh, metro centers. So yeah, they know what they're doing. And in the end, the victims are people who are going to supermarkets, people who are going to schools, people who are going to work out, people who are going to nightclubs, whatever the case may be. So Marcus Stroman, there hasn't been a person in Chicago to say it like you said it on the platform that you said it on in the sport that you said it in, in a while. So I do commend you for saying that. And hopefully, just hopefully, we won't be talking about this again. But I fear that this won't be the last time we see this this summer. 
That's all the time we have for episode 103 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. Want to thank our production staff, of course, the always active Jesse Lopez, my main man, Tony Gill, and the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. We will catch you guys on Tuesday. That's right. Back to our normal schedule here. So we'll catch you on Tuesday. We'll be talking about the Royals versus the White Sox and the Cubs matching up against the Pittsburgh Pirates, which always a barn burner. You throw the records out when those two teams get together. You might want to throw the TV out when those two teams get together. But yeah, we'll be hollering about those guys as well. And hopefully we'll get ourselves a little bit of a surprise guest in here. Of course, the voicemail line is always open for you. 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. So for the fellas, I am Jason Goff, thanking you so much for doing everything that you do with this podcast, whether it is downloading it, subscribing to it, sharing it, rating and reviewing it, everything that you do for this pod, we truly appreciate it. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. This has been The Full Go with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. As always, I will continue to tell y'all, take care of each other and please be as safe as possible.